Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another week here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. You know, this week's episode wraps up a three-part series we had with Glenn Stewart. In the first episode, we discussed his beginning in horsemanship. In episode two, we covered some of his formidable years. And in this episode, we talked about what his horsemanship has become to date and some of his current philosophies. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast, and we hope you share the show with a friend. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Glenn Stewart. You know, you just had to dig in there and... and Thankfully, I guess, however, I was raised before that because lots of people would have quit with way lesser things. I didn't just give up the ghost and went home. The opportunity I would have missed or that I you know, would have missed would have been just unbelievable to quit and go home because, oh, somebody yelled at me. No, I, I guarantee. I mean, your your perspective was such a blessing in a lot of this because uh, as you sit here and describe everything, I guarantee I'm not the only one thinking, like, how much do you have to put up with, right? Yeah. They're less than desirable circumstances. You're working harder than a hog on everything. And then you got this guy down your throat all the time. I mean, no, that's not desirable at all. Um, But, right, uh, success and successful people were forged in fire. That's just the way it's done, you know. And and to be successful in such a situation, you are absolutely correct. Your perspective is everything. We cannot control the circumstances that we are faced with. We cannot. There's no way, shape, or form that you can However, we have all the control in the world of our perspective and how we view a set of circumstances. Yeah, you can absolutely, and you can make something into the most amazing experience of your life or the worst experience of life. And it could be, you know, you could have such a small thing go on and turn it into such a, a wreck because of your perspective. Yeah. Or you choose to look at it. So I looked at it then and I, I look at it now as the most amazing. My perspective was this was the most amazing thing that ever could have happened to me in my life. Thank goodness this happened. And and, and I, I know what it made of me. You know, and I know that thank goodness he told me 100 trees. Yeah. Thank goodness he made me sit up around the campfire. If, if he, if when he was out hunting, if when he come in, I had to be up. So if we come in at three in the morning, I had to be up. I couldn't go to bed. I had to be sitting there with keeping the fire going to keep his supper ready. And everybody else would go to bed and I'd be sitting in front of the stove. And I couldn't be, I couldn't fall asleep in there because the fire would go out. Plus he also wanted me to unsaddle his horses when he rode in. So no matter what time, but sometimes he wouldn't come in. He would not come in. He'd stay on the mountain. And so I would be sitting on a panniard nodding off, keeping the fire going and trying to stay awake because I didn't want to get my butt chewed when he rolled in there because I had to be walking out that tent and unsaddling horses as he rode in and the meal better be warm not burnt and so i'd be sit there till you know four o'clock the next morning till the cook got up uh nodding off on that pannier trying to keep myself awake he didn't even show up um but it it was a, uh, you know i just like well gosh who gets to do that yeah and what an incredible to. experience not, not a got to it's a get to and yeah. you're thinking oh this is torture but um it's a get to situation because i i know that you know whatever so things are so minimal generally speaking in in our lives um that you know when you get to have some experiences like that you uh 
it completely changes your perspective on everything. And, you know, and if somebody says, Oh, I really worked hard today. Uh, you know, well, my perspective of working hard and somebody else's might be different. Yeah. A little bit different definition. <laughs> um, uh, we had the trail horses to the highway. So when I'm 17 years old, we got a trail horses to the highway. I've never trailed horses to the highway. It's a four day trip to get these horses to the highway. We got to cross rivers to get to the highway. Um, We've got two stallions that just run rampant and do whatever they want. Pig, two big draft stallions that they just tear the rope out of your hands and go take off. Um, I'm 17 and the boss is 13 because he's got more experience than me. Oh. He's been up there since he's 10. So so my, it was my first year, but he's been there for three years. So he's 13. He's running the show. I'm 17. I'm at the back end. We got 13 head of horses that we're going to trail for four days through the mountains at the end of October. So the snow is starting to come. Um, the rivers are starting to get some ice on the edges. And we've got a trail from in the mountains out to the highway to where the trucks are, the, the Holy's horses. We don't know the trail. So my uncle very kindly writes uh, the map. He draws out a map on a, you know, the napkins, the, the old napkins, the, the silver some some restaurants still have them, the silver napkin holder. Mm-hmm. Well, he had one of those in the mountains. And so he pulled out one of those napkins out of the thing and drew a four-day trail ride on that napkin and handed us the napkin and said, there you go, boys. So that's Followed probably that. the most important napkin you've ever had in your life. And that is the best, <laughs> most important napkin. <laughs> and you want to talk about save the napkin. Yeah, no It's kidding. pretty hard to crumple and rip and get them wet and stuff. Yeah. And you can pretty much see through the napkin before you've ever started. Yeah. There's a four-day trip that we've never been on with 13 head of horses. There's muskeg that literally will swallow a horse like you will lose the horse. You can't get him out of the muskeg. They'll go in the muskeg and you can't get the horse out, so he dies right there. Um, there's rivers to cross, which they're absolutely ice cold. And when you when you jump into that river, it takes your breath away. You can't You can't control your breathing. You're just gasping for air. And plus, you've got these loose horses that you've got to get to go into that river and swim the river and come up the other side. And it's at the end of October, and it's below freezing. <clears throat> so we take off on this journey, and uh, we're not allowed to take bed rolls because that's too much weight, he said. And we can't – only food we can take can go in our saddlebags. So we've got a four-day trip, and you got to put whatever food you figure you need in your saddlebag, whatever you can fit, because we got to keep the weight down for the muskeg in this big trip. So I'm thinking in all my wisdom at 17 that fruit cocktail would be the way to go because um, <laughs> it's full of sugar and I really liked it. You know, it was a real delicacy. You so might need something a little bit cocktail. hardier than that. Yeah. So I'm stuffed my saddlebag with fruit cocktail for four days and I'm thinking well, I could just open them up and eat them. I don't need to cook them. I don't need frying pans or nothing like that because we didn't have room to pack frying pans anyway. So it had to be whatever you could, you know, just open up and eat. So that was my big deal, fruit cocktail. Off we go, and we we literally uh, get to where we were at night, tie our horses up, and sleep under a tree. And the whole time, we don't know if you're in the right trail. You have no clue because you're just heading through the mountains. And so you're hoping you're going the right way. And, of course, the 13-year-old is the one leading. Um, and so I'm putting all my trust in, in him. And uh, we get to our destination. And, you know, most people have not slept with their head on their saddle and their sweaty, stinky saddle blanket on them. Um, you see it in the movies. It's just not that romantic. You'll have to try that, too, if you haven't tried it. Just <laughs> ride all day. 
<laughs> and then and just curl up under a tree, put your head in your saddlebag. And it's better if you turn the sheepskin up and you can kind of lay in the... In, in the crook the, of it there, yeah. In the crook of it there and put your kind of head in there. But your head kind of gets crooked back too much. So you you got to try to find something to put under your head because your neck gets sore. And then you put that wet old saddlebag and blanket on top of you and, and, and sniff that and let it soak into your pants and stuff through the evening. Smell like a night. million bucks at the end of four days. <clears throat> yeah. As the moment you see sun, you just get up because you haven't been sleeping. You're frozen stiff. You're cold as hell. It's, you know, it's the end of October. Even on a, on a nice summer day, try it. It's not fun. So we just get up and as soon as the sun was up and off we go. We don't know what pace to set because we're, we've never done it before. We yeah. don't know. We're, yeah. we're going fast or slow. And so we take off with the horses and, uh, we don't know if we're doing good or bad. We get to the one river that we have the cross the Musqua river and we get to the river and just bail off the edge. You know, I'm chasing horses behind cause they don't want to go. And the young guy, he just dives into the river and, and there's a river crossing there somewhere where at that time of year, you shouldn't have to get wet, but being as naive as we were, we just seen the river and figured, well, that's gotta be the river crossing. Just go for well, it. Yeah, the Musqua River is, you know, hundreds of miles long. And wherever we hit it, we assumed, I'm at the back assuming that anyways. I'm thinking, oh, good, he found the crossing. No, he just found the river. <laughs> dive into swimming water, swim across the river again. And it's just getting dark in the end of October. So everything's it's nice below and cold freezing. and frozen. The river, so our clothes are immediately freezing. But the story was right on the other side of the river. We only had to turn to the right and a quarter mile up the river. You can't miss it. The cabin's right on the shore. You can't miss it. So it's dark now. We, we're out of the water. We're frozen. You know, everything's soaked and wet. Our coats, everything's frozen. We hang a right, start heading up the river, pitch black. We're not even on the trail if there was a trail. Uh, and there was one, but we can't see it. It's pitch black. Never been there before. So uh, we're looking and looking and looking and riding and riding and riding and you know, we've gone miles and there's no cabin, so we don't know if we've missed it or we should make a fire or what. And I just happened to look, and way off in the distance, I see a coil, all those coil oil lanterns, and that's what we used in them days. There's a coil oil lantern flickering in the window of the cabin, and it was just a matter of, had I not looked at that exact moment, I would have missed it, and we'd have just rode on by for... Gosh knows how long. Down. Yeah. So, man, and we seen that, man, were we happy, we we wheeled them horses to the left and headed her for that thing because we hadn't been eating and sleeping outside and we're soaking wet and interesting that you know we come to cross that river we come to do all that stuff and and nobody was down checking the river two kids you know nobody was there to see if we're on the right crossing nobody was keeping out you know they stayed up they were up yeah <laughs> and then fire going and when we got there you know they were on the cabin whatever playing crib or something and uh they said, hey, you guys get in, get warmed up. We'll look after the horses. Don't worry. There's supper on the table. So though that was nice. We could just hand them and get in there. Yeah, but, be done with it. But uh, those experiences, you know, I just tell you, I wouldn't trade those things for love or money. They're, they were just incredible. So now I take people into the mountains to do these trips. Nothing even remotely as tough as that. But still, uh, you know, we keep them out of, you know, I make sure everything's way safer and, and you know way less we get our meals cooked for you're sleeping in nice as a hot tub you know you're sipping wine in the evening and whatever <laughs> a little <laughs> more luxurious it's, it's a lot more luxurious and we don't but still the experience for them is often overwhelming for people even they land there and they see 80 head of horses in the corral and they 
they're shocked and yeah. they're fighting feuding and kicking and squealing in there and they're thinking wow i have to go in that pen and catch a horse and uh and then they look at the mountains all around us and the you know that wild country up there and holy cow we're gonna ride out in that and so i've had many people over the years who've been doing that for 16 years taking people from all over the world in there i've had uh, many people that got there and and you know they were looking for any reason they could find not to go ride their horse like they're going ah you know i got a headache ah i don't feel good ah yeah that's okay for me i'm happy right here i'm that's good i don't need to uh, and you know they've been riding uh, at home in their corral or you know in their arena or whatever you know for years but they see that and and uh yeah they uh, their perspective on what's going to happen out there and what they think is going to take place and and you know they don't know the horses and they've never had to catch a horse amongst 80 head horses and you know a third of them are wild and um you know they've never had to do all that so the, the thoughts that run through their head actually you know they just say no no that's okay it's okay you guys go ride i'm not gonna go wow and uh, i have to step in and you know use my 20 years of teaching experience to trick them and next thing you know they're going down the trail happy as a clam that's incredible so let's talk a little bit about your horsemanship business you run quite a few different formats of instruction to include clinics camps and then this high and wild program let's just briefly discuss each one of those what they have to offer and and what people's involvement in each one of those aspects would be okay the camps or the clinics are are some of the camps are here held at the horse ranch so my home here in bc and we i live right on the banks of the river uh beaten river and so i've got you know hills and draws and trees and bushes and and rivers and stuff to play with so i really enjoy doing the camps here just because i can offer more you know there's more horsemanship involved here um and that's where i teach and you know pretty much talk six hours a day getting giving them exercises and techniques to to work with and and then the uh the clinics are similar except they're not here they're held at you know, people can hire me all over the world to come and do clinics and I'll go to their facility and, and, uh, put on clinics. But again, I talk, you know, six hours, you know, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon of, of, you know, explaining and, and giving all the details I can come up with to help them move forward with their horsemanship, the high and wild and the Brazil and Costa Rica, these, um, Austria, these, some of these trips are learning holiday adventures, so those trips are, it's a holiday, it's an adventure, and, and there's learning. You can't help but learn stuff. If no, you know, if somebody said absolutely nothing, you'd you'd have to learn something. But I don't talk nonstop for six days you, or six hours a day. We give you some things to do, and kind of if you come on those trips, it means that you've you've been with me and and you know some of the stuff anyway. So I can just give you a quick. Um, you know, teach the horse the seven patterns, and you'll know what that means. You know, oh, got it, and you'll go over there. and you know, work on the seven patterns or the seven elements or um, whatever. And so those are the learning holiday adventures. And then I've got front row seating here, we call it. And that's here at the ranch. And I do it on the road as well. And they're 10-day deals where we – I'll be working with my horses. It might be my top horses. It might be starting somebody's colt. You know, might be starting a few colts. And people can come and ride with me. And so they get to see me make do liberty with three horses at once or something. And or working on flying lead changes or pirouettes or whatever. Um, 
and or they watch me start a colt or i might have a real difficult horse that somebody dropped in so they get to see all that but the so they can sit and drink a coffee and watch that and then they pull their horse out whatever they want and i give them um a set program and some exercises that that for them where they're at and where their horse is at for them to work on and they go to work on it and they're they're basically riding with me all day but i my they get to see me spend a lot of time with a lot of different horses so they get they watch me actually do the stuff that i preach you know i think it's great to follow the the emulation side of things right sometimes you could be told or you could read it in a book but to actually Mm -hmm. physically see it be done with your own two eyes kind of helps push people or or get people to to bridge that learning gap but really these well doing that or or you know we've had three four camps so far are going to these uh, learning holiday adventures there's stuff that you see that you had no idea actually happens there's stuff that you get to witness you go whoa i've never seen that in my life and depending on who you ride with and where you ride and what you do will absolutely shape you know we get back to perspective it will absolutely give you a perspective on things and your perspective can absolutely hold you back or your perspective can shoot you forward at Mm -hmm. rocket speed um and everybody has a different perspective on stuff according to who they ride with who they hang out with who they've been listening to what they think they've seen so you can have a perspective on stuff that you think you've seen it didn't even happen, but you thought you seen it or you thought somebody said, you thought they yeah, said, this, yeah. or you thought, so you create a perspective on something. And, and then, and then how many perspectives did we have at one time that we know that we had to get rid of? Cause we realized our perspective was really holding us back. Yeah. How many perspectives do we have at this very moment that we should get rid of? How many perspectives do you have right now that you, you could go, yeah, yeah, I've been kind of hanging on to that one, but it's not serving me at all. I should probably dump that one yeah an experience helps you to uh to clean all those up right yeah depending on who you hang around with and what you're doing and what you're seeing will absolutely shape that perspective and 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 in in lots of cases you realize for the first time that wow i definitely got to get i got to change that i thought you know i've had uh like in this just this last camp one gal said oh horses can gallop down a hill she didn't realize horses could even trot down a hill, let alone gallop down a hill. She was su- surprised. Interesting. Um, um, saddling a horse, she'd been getting lessons for I don't know how long, but they never. They always saddled her horse for her, and and I, you know, and I said, boy, from my perspective, that couldn't be worse. I said, if you can't saddle a horse, you can't get on. I said, do you, you know, if you can't put a halter on right, you don't get to get on. I said, that's my perspective. I said, you, yeah. you need to know this stuff. Um, other, cause what, what is, what it's doing is holding you back from ever becoming, or they're not empowering you. They're disempowering you. They're making it sure that you always have to have them because you can't even saddle your own horse. So we know she went from not ever saddling a horse to doing it in less than a minute. Oh, wow. In my perspective, you better be able to saddle a horse in less than a minute. If you can't, that's not very impressive. I said, there's no, no way, no way that you shouldn't be able to saddle a horse in less than a minute. Minutes easy. That's just putting along. Mm-hmm. I'm all bolted down, cinched up. Everything's ready to go in a, in a minute. And she looked at me like I'd rocked in my head. No, <laughs> she's like, no way. And so she's doing it when she left here, less than a minute, doing it smooth, doing it well. And um, so you have all these perspectives that, when depending on who you're around. And I said, you know, my perspective is you should be uh, the first person. Nobody waits for you. Doesn't matter how green you are, there's certain things that anybody can do to be first at. Doesn't matter how green you are, it doesn't give you the green light to be the last person 
to be ready for this, that, and the other. There's certain things that you would be able to do before anybody else. I said, saddling is one of them. There's no reason that you couldn't be the first one saddled, even though you're the greenest person here. And so, the, you know, whoever you're riding with, they're going, huh. All that does is takes a little practice. There's there certain techniques, skills that we can learn. You just be a little bit disciplined. And uh, you, they're quite shocked and they want to, you know, if you're always waiting for somebody, there's lots of places like in the mountains or on these ranches. So I went to a branding two weekends ago and last weekend I was the arena director at the rodeo. And my goodness, if they're going to wait for you, if you're always the last guy to do everything, they're sure not going to yeah. ever Absolutely. You do it in the first place, that'll get you the next year. Yeah, absolutely. So in your experiences, we've covered a huge array of information. But in your personal experience, in your life with your horses, what has been the greatest life lesson that you've learned? You know, some of those things that I've mentioned to recap is like, if somebody seems real confident at something, that doesn't mean that they're knowledgeable. It just means they're confident. It doesn't mean that if somebody talks like, by God, this is a da 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 say, well, okay, maybe, you know. So mm-hmm. so I'm never going to – and if – there's there's so many times I've been shown that there's a better way to do this and a better way to do that. So I, if there's any message I could say is that make sure you keep an open mind to things that don't get locked into this. Um, the neighbor's done it like this. My grandpa, my uncle my whoever's done it like this for 100 years so it can't be wrong uh maybe it's not wrong maybe it's just not the best yeah um, <clears throat> my brother is over he i'm trying to get a bearing off of my arena groomer we're fighting with it and another young guy comes over it's kind of a half more of a mechanic than i have and he's beating and banging and wailing on this thing and we spent hours couldn't get this thing off and don't know if we're doing you know if it, maybe it doesn't come off whatever my brother comes over and he is real mechanic-y he comes, well, that thing was off in five minutes. We had oh, spent geez. hours, two of us. And he goes, no, 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 no. You don't heat the whole ring. You just heat one side of it, pops it open, it comes out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm just like, there you go. Yeah. There's another example. Valued experience. Wang, and we're beating the hell out of the shaft. Everything's – so <clears throat> be careful where you're getting your information. Don't, don't, you know, be careful where you're getting your information. We're putting on a country music festival here right away. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I know I should, but I haven't. I should phone somebody that's put on a country music festival and I should ask them all about it and say, yeah. well, how do you do it? Yeah. What do you do? You know, but you ask what's handy and what, who's standing in front of you, but I should go to the professionals that have been doing this for years and have been successful and say, no. So, you know, can you guys give me a hand? Most professionals in any industry are more than happy to hand out and help out and, um, <clears throat> good advice. Good. You know, they're, they're going to give you their, you know, I've heard secondhand gold is as good as new. Yeah, it's true. So, it's true. And that's I think that's one of the greatest things about the Western industry is that people have been very, very successful, very accessible. It's not like traditional sports, right? Baseball or football, where you just can't call a guy that's in the NFL or a World Series champion and, you know, ask him for some advice. Whereas in the Western industry, I mean, this conversation right here, right? Very, very decorated horseman you are and, and me not so much, right? I have my own stuff and my own goals and my own right. And I'm a smaller fish in a bigger pond, but... I mean, we've sat here for over two hours now and had extremely candid conversation about what it takes to make a horseman and how life should be. You know, it's just, it's an incredible, I think an incredible trait and incredible value that, that holds very true in the Western industry. Mm-hmm. Most people are more than happy to to give out advice. Uh, unfortunately, people that don't know are, this is equally just happy as equally, to give yeah. advice. So you gotta, you gotta be somewhat careful because if if i would have continued taking advice from the wrong people i would not be doing and would not have 
my life, you know, getting flown all over the world would not have happened because I would, I was listening to the wrong people. <clears throat> so, um, but most people are more than happy if you're, uh, and, and things that I used to perspective and, and assumptions that I made, I thought I knew something about saddles because I'd rode on hundred days a year, um, for 15 years. I thought, well, I knew saddles. So I went out and bought my own saddles, you know, and I don't own one of them anymore because none of them were worth them anything remote you know they're not worth having on the branch yeah but i've got all these saddles thinking that you know they were pretty hot stuff i do not have one of them i got rid of all of them as i my knowledge base changed I went, oh my goodness i cannot believe i spent a dime on that saddle and i got rid of them so there's people out there that do know about all these different things and um <clears throat> i see stuff like that all the time too where people will continually buy saddles for example and they go well, i'm standing right here i could give you some tips you know and i do it happily for free yeah um and yeah horsemanship or whatever it is so boy i would uh i would definitely uh really go ahead and get some information from the right people and uh watch your perspective because your perspective is definitely going to if you know one person says oh man a horse should never sweat and somebody else says a horse should always sweat they're going to get very different results yeah you know um somebody says um uh i don't run and somebody says i run everywhere i go and i go huh you're gonna get very different results too your life is gonna look very different those two people's lives are gonna look very different um you know whatever our perspective as well you know running means this or that or you shouldn't have to ever work hard and okay well whatever nobody's saying what's right or what's wrong I just, I just know that you're gonna have very different results in your life depending on the perspective you choose to take absolutely um, yeah yeah there's um yeah your comfort zone and saying yes don't be don't be scared to be way out of your comfort zone and just say yes to things that that uh, you've never done before. Um, I started doing this arena directing for the rodeo. I've never done that before. They uh, they were putting on the rodeo, and I had a couple of days off there. And I just I know the people organizing rodeo, so I said, "Hey, if you guys need any hand, thing, let me know. I'll give you a hand." I got a couple of days here in between camps, or whatever. And they said, "Oh yeah, we need you to be the arena director." I said, <laughs> Excuse I, me. <laughs> and I I said. I, you know, I paused a little bit and I said, well, isn't that like arena director? Did you say arena director? Yeah. Like in charge you know, of yeah, everything yeah. in the arena? Yeah. You're in charge of the whole thing, the whole rodeo. Yeah. Run the whole thing. Oh, sure. And Let I'm, me jump on that. Uh, yeah. So I'm thinking, <laughs> well, I've never done that before. I've never been an arena director. And they, oh, you won't have any problem. You'll be fine with it. You'll be the perfect guy for the job. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. You know, and I'm thinking, well, I don't even know. You know, I've never done anything remotely like that. I watched lots of rodeos and, and I've participated in some odd, obscure parts of a rodeo, but I've never went down the rodeo trail. Mm -hmm. And so there's all kinds of things that go on there that I don't that I don't know about. And, and you can watch them for a million years. You would never know about it. Yeah. Yeah. The nuances. Yeah. So who's supposed to be doing what and when and where and why and what's legal and what's not and what's allowed and what's expected. And anyway, so I said yes and then and uh, did the arena and I knew I would love it, the challenge, but I also worried about making sure I you know, do as best a job as I could with my limited knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah. So I did a couple, you know, a couple of years now under my belt of that. So you're learning, learning about that job and then, uh, 
there's just been a lot of different ones that come up that I have never done before. A little TED talk. They asked me to do a TED talk where you stand on a stage and you talk to this group of people on any topic you want yeah. and you have eight minutes to tell your story. Well, speaking of different engagements and demonstrations and competitions that you competed at, uh, our paths will cross late September in Nanton, Alberta. Let's talk a little bit about Heart of the Horse being put on by Nikki Flundra and, and what your participation will be and kind of how that came to be for you. Yeah, well, there's uh, uh, it's a colt starting competition, so there'll be three of us there, um, and we're, we I I haven't got the rules yet. I got to get the rules from Nikki here and see exactly, but it'll be something along the lines of three hours. Uh, you'll be given a horse that that's you know fairly untouched, maybe totally untouched, or maybe it's had a halter on once before or something. I I don't know where they're at for sure where the horse will be at, but you'll draw and you'll pull out a horse. Out of the draw, whatever horse you that you draw will be your horse, and you've got generally about three hours, three and a half hours maybe, to get the horse ready to walk, trot, canter, go over jumps, open gates, walk across tarps, rope and drag things. You know, I don't know what all will be in, in the course. Maybe walk through water, you know, like a water box or something. They'll be go up on a sidewalk, ride them up on a sidewalk, all these crazy things that you've got to get your horse to do. And you've, you know, he's never been rode, never been hardly had a halter, maybe not even had a halter. And you got three and a half hours to get that done. So that's in September there with Nikki. And I met Nikki on and off over the years. I've watched her perform in rodeos and stuff. And she does amazing acts all over North America, down the States and Canada, all over the place at rodeos, um, doing her Liberty shows and whatnot. And uh, so she's putting on the singing. I you know, asked if I would come and, and be one of the participants. So, yeah, that happens in September. So there's a whole, there's a, for me anyways, there's a whole prep to that. Um, I've started thousands of colts but you don't you don't generally try to do it in three and a half hours you know you you go as fast as you can but there's no pressure to you know if it's, it's you know you, you slow way down you do it at the pace you want to do to just to make it easier and uh, but you're still trying to hurry but not at that pace and not and you're not putting a course in front of yourself in three hours you're not going to say okay you're going to walk trot can pick up your feet ride this whole course in three hours so there's a whole lot of prep to it mental prep um, physical preparations. Uh, there's a whole lot that, that goes into it. Plus, we have demos with our own horses and stuff. I think it's great that you keep the, the horse number one, right? Oftentimes, I think with some of these colt starting competitions, people just mash the gas pedal because they want to get through a course or they want to get through more of a course than a competitor. But uh, when you talk about those early handlings of a horse and really laying the foundation, you know, you could be, although you could be successful that one day for that one event, you could be creating a lot more hurdles for that horse in its natural progression down the road, you know. So it's nice to, it's nice to hear that, right, you're, you're, you're taking it as, as assertively as you can, but not taxing the horse, you know, or expending the horse unreasonably. Yeah, there was years ago, like one of the first ones that I'd heard of come in Canada, they actually asked me years and years and years ago, one of the very first ones that I've heard of that ever happened in Canada, they asked me to go in it. And I wouldn't go in it because I was of the mindset that my perspective was that you would have to, you know, it would be too hard on the horse and who would do this and who would do that. And I've come 
full circle on that and I go, well, no, you're only as hard on the horses as you want to be. There's no rules in any colt starting competition that says you must be tough on the horse. In fact, they say the exact opposite. You'll get kicked out if you're tough on the horse. So what it really does is test test your mettle. And so it's like, what can you get done in that length of time that that horse, particular horse that you have and your skills combined where can you get to in that length of time that's what it's about yeah and so if you get a win out of it great if you don't get a win you don't so it, it, what i was saying to you earlier uh, i'm going to to improve yeah so yeah. i said yes because i'm gonna, i want to improve not because i don't know how to start a colt or not because <clears throat> you know i i have to win this thing i'm sure i want to win it every guy there is going to want to win it <clears throat> but i'm not going to win it at the expense of my set of ideas and and what i teach and what i preach and what i know in fact what i i believe i will get the most done with that horse and for the longevity of that horse outside of the competition if i do do it right if i do what i'm supposed to do and what every horse deserves if i do that i will go the furthest i can possibly go with that horse with my set of skills so if 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 i was to have done this when i 20 years ago i wouldn't have got anywhere in three hours there's no way i'd have got that that thing done because I didn't have a skill set or the knowledge or feel of timing. I didn't understand horses. No way I could have got it done. So now um, with my skill set, there's a very good chance that I'll get him rode and get through the, the whole thing and it'll be, you know, I, I guarantee it's going to be better than it was 20 years oh, ago. Oh, absolutely. You still, absolutely. The, you still go into the thing with, you know, you're going to, you're going there to improve, not prove. Um, I've been in, many through the years and i don't win them all uh, but I, I there's some that that i actually did not win and i think i got the most cheering and the most standing ovation and um and i know i've made over a million dollars because of one competition actually actually the i was i put a million dollars through this business because of one cold starting I, somebody didn't walk up to me and give me a million dollars so don't yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't they go walk up and slap a million bucks <laughs> in my hand <clears throat> but i know because of the one cold start that i did not win but just because of what i did and stuck with my principles and what i preach and teach there's at least a million dollars come through this ranch more it's still coming actually it's, it's still it's still still coming because of it what competition <laughs> was that if you don't mind me asking that was the one in um, at Road to the Horse down in the States when it was Canada against the United States and Australia. Uh, 2012, yeah? Yeah. So so we actually had your partner, Jonathan Field, uh, featured in episode 17 of this podcast. And uh, Jonathan uh, comes down, well, he has come down the last few years and taught at the ranch here that I board at locally. And we've had many conversations just about the horse business and, you know, training horses and what it takes to be successful and longevity and things of that sort. And Mm-hmm. Why don't we kind of develop your experiences, if you don't mind, in the 2012 Road to the Horse and how your experience paid off tenfold, you know, in earning you that money versus just winning the competition for a, for a weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of power in winning because let's say, and I I, I think lots of people would say and, and they've seen it happen too, where somebody has won a competition, but they weren't actually the best there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's happened in the past in different areas, different, you know, whatever, rainy cutting, whatever we're talking about, mm-hmm. it, it happens. Um, and there's people that only see that. Um, they only see who won. And so that's the one that they're excited, but there's lots of people that are there um, that'll go to a competition and, and, they, and they see past what it is and they like, 
you know, what you did or your message or how you, and they think you won. You might not have got the thing, but they, in their mind, you won. <clears throat> um, but you're a winner regardless, because if you take Road to the Horse or any of these events, the pressure that you're under, and you you can't let it get to you, because if you do, you're going to do a bad job. So you can't you can't worry about the the time clock and all that. You can't worry about what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it because you might flat disagree with what they're doing. You might look over there and go, "Boy, I don't agree with that at all." That's yeah. going to cause this yeah. down the road. So you go ahead and it looks good and everybody thinks that you're ahead or whatever, but you're actually not. Everybody depends on where their knowledge at, but you know. So you can flat disagree. So you cannot worry about what's going on in the other pens. Uh, but you're the you're the winner regardless because. The if you take Road to the Horse, there's video, there's movie cam or TV cameras that are there's some guys are laying on their belly shooting underneath the pen. Some are standing a thing above the colt. So you got your horse is dealing with all this too. Not to mention you are, and you're you're in the back of your head. You're going well. You know, I hope I don't do something stupid on camera here while you're trying to get by this colt that's bucking like crazy and running around the pen and. Uh, and then you got somebody over there that's asking you questions on the mic and they're talking to you, but then you've got all the people in the stands and they all have their judgment of what they're seeing. You know, his mustache is too big. It's too small. It's <laughs> the wrong shape. Um, <clears throat> that guy does nothing. Look at his hat. Yeah. I would have did it like this. Um, <clears throat> so you know that that's all going on. You got to put all that aside and just go, whatever, I'm going to go in there and do, do the best I can and try to improve my horsemanship. I'm going to try to, and you operate at a different level because you have to. You cannot operate at just uh, Pokey Joe level because you don't have the time to do it. So you have to fine tune and catch every little thing that that horse is laying down if you can. And the more, you know, if you miss something, it sets you back. So every every little thing that he does, you're going to, you just set yourself back and you don't have a 30 seconds to spare. You've got to put everything in order as good as you can. And yes, there's a way. Um, one of the things I got to get some highly talented people that come here. I got a guy that, that rides at the Calgary Stampede. He rides saddle broncs and bareback horses and team ropes. And he's a handy guy. He's got a ranch and he comes here for lessons all the time. And we've talked about this. He comes to Brazil with me and we talked about this. And I said, often the people that ride really well that you couldn't buck off, such as him, you can't buck him off hardly. Um, it gets in the way of good horsemanship. And he said, well, how does that work? What do you mean? And I said, because you rely on your riding too much. You're too damn good a rider. You don't have to prepare the horse much. You can get away with a lot of brace and worry and all this stuff because if he bucks, whatever, you'll just ride him out. Ride it out, know? yeah. That's incredible. The sunset and down you go. And he goes, you know, that's right. He said, you're absolutely right. And he's really open-minded and, you know, he's going to go far. He wants to hang out with three months a year. He wants to hang out with me. Um, which is a real honor for me because I'm like, wow, you've been there. He's rode with some big names down in the States. And he's, like I said, been roadie on his whole life and very good at it. You know, he, he gets on the roughest Bronx at the Calgary Stampede. And, you know, he, he's, he's a handy fella. And, uh, but he said, you're right. You're absolutely right. He said, a guy can rely on his talents of never getting bucked off. And you don't have to learn these other things because you just don't have to. Um, Luckily for me, I don't ride that well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think I'll be in the latter category myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I've got to do, I try to do a little better job because I don't want them hogging around the thing all, all, you know, when I crawl on them. So I've got to figure out what it is, like what, what that horse needs <clears throat> as I'm preparing them for the, for the ride. So, uh, yeah, there's just a, 
lots of different things to think about when you're in those competitions. And, and it, it absolutely, for me, it's just fantastic because, uh, you've got to do interviews. You've got to get that horse ready. Then they want you to do demos with your own horse. And so now you're worried about that. And you, you know, you, you're just constantly in, uh, in the light and you've got your own students there that you don't want to let them down because they've been following you and watching you. And so you don't want to get out there and, you know, and it's I just, say, look, the, the whole <laughs> the whole format is just I'm completely enamored by all of it because when you look at the grand scheme of horsemanship, right, you are given a fraction of a moment to accomplish some astronomical things with a horse. Then you yeah. add in all the distractions that you talked about, right? Yeah. All the media, all the press, all the camera, all the demonstration obligations, right? All the signings. Yeah. There's so many other distractions, not only for you as the horseman. But for the horse alike, and yeah. for for horsemen of your caliber to be able to put anything together, anything together and put it out in the arena and demonstrate it in the fashion that you guys do and the level that you guys do, I don't think a lot of people, I, I don't even think a lot of the spectators really take a step back and realize what's going on. A lot of the stuff you have to do, you know, there's just a lot of things that you have to do yeah. to realize how much goes into it, yeah. you know, so... We we won't just show up down there. I won't just show up down there. I've I've been since Nikki called me. I started thinking about it. Mm-hmm. At some point, I'll start pulling out some videos here and I'll start watching some past things, maybe that I've done or some other guys did, just to get my head really into yeah. you know what what needs to happen. When I go to the mountains, I'm going to start. You know, we'll have some young wild horses up there, so I'll pr- start some of those. And I'll do it in three hours. So I'll practice on them wild horses in the mountains. Uh, when I went, went to road to the horse, I did the same thing. I pulled some old brood mares. I picked up what I thought would be the toughest horses I could get in the mountains. Yeah. Pulled them in and used them as some practice horses and give the time limit and set up a course. And, and uh, so, you know, I don't know, you know, there's all this prep work that goes into it, which makes you better again. You get improved. Absolutely. You're going to improve because if this wasn't coming up, I sure ain't going up there to get on a horse three hours and try to do a course. There's yeah. a whole lot of stress and work and sweat and and everything else. I just I wouldn't do it. I go. I don't need to do it. You know. Uh, um, so with this added, you know, goal in front of you and and you want to do a good job and stuff. So it pushes you to be to be better. You know, look at your fitness and go. You know. So I'm riding bareback now. I'm riding starting to ride bareback all summer because there's nothing better than getting sticky on a horse and riding bareback. Yeah. So I rode three last night bareback until they were sweat and my pants are soaking wet and my I jumped on my Harley and went for a ride and I could barely keep my knees together sitting on the Harley they <laughs> just trying to keep my knees together they just kept flopping over because my yeah. my groin muscles are so tired exhausted <clears throat> yeah but I'll do that until you know I'll I'll ride bareback and and do some of that stuff and I'll get jumping running around here and jumping and going up and down hills bareback until it don't even fizz on me yeah so it's something again that you could avoid because you don't really need to because you're not doing anything that requires you to be at that level. Um, so um, yeah, so it just pushes you to, and you start thinking. Your head starts planning about this and thinking about that, and what are we going to do here, and what are we going to do there, and what if, and and what are we going to talk about, and um, yeah. So it's it's a definite journey of self improvement. Um, and then you got to discipline yourself. I have to be more disciplined now this summer. 
than I would be last summer. If I don't have a cold starting come up, I got to discipline myself. So the, the discipline goes back on the discipline belt, you know, <laughs> shows up. And go, well, you're going to have to get with it. And you're going to have to, you know, be more aware when I go play with these horses in the mountains and pay attention and pretend in my mind that I'm got three hours to do something or, yeah, or a, actually give myself three hours to do something and work harder than I normally would. You know, so I, 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 I work pretty hard as it is, but I now I'm going to ramp it up and I'll work even harder and I'll do more horses and I will want to get more done in a certain length of time. I will be very perceptive to see what, you know, if I do this like this or I use this exercise or this technique, what results am I truly getting and how long did it take to get it? And is there, you know, what's good enough to move on? You know, is that is that good enough to, okay, now the horse is ready for something else so I'm not can't waste no time. Yeah, start you know? to develop that operational tempo, right? How fast mm-hmm. can you push it and when do you need to back mm-hmm. off? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to figure out how to enjoy the journey because you can get real grumpy about this and you can go, he's not going to be able to ride those horses bareback and I got all these other things I got to do. Now I got to go up there and risk my neck on them wild damn horses in the mountains. Yeah. As if I need to spend three hours riding that damn thing over there, hey, you know, so you could get real grumpy about it, or, or you could, uh, you know, choose to enjoy it and go, well, this is the journey, and and you look at the have the perspective that wow, it's amazing, you know, you, you know darn well that it's going to improve things, things are going to get better for you whenever you put the heat to yourself. Yeah. Things get. I, I really, I mean, of, of all the things that we've talked about today, I really, really enjoy that improve. And don't don't necessarily have the pressure of having to prove, right? Yeah, it's it's a it's a small change in perspective that can have a really really big difference in alleviating a lot of that pressure and really just focusing on you and having fun with your horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, you can. It, it absolutely for me changes it, and I tell it to people often. I said, "Well, you're not if they're going into competition or something like that." I said, "We're well, not there to prove nothing. You're there to improve. Yeah, Go there I with really the thing like that. you are going to." You're going to put the pressure to yourself to do the very utmost best you can. And if the judges like it, they like it. You don't know what they're going to like. You don't know what the judge's perspective is. So the judge's perspective is what it is, and you can't change that. But the, the only thing you're in, char- you're in control of is how much effort you're going to put into something. And are you there to improve, or you're going to, you're going to be trying to prove stuff to people that will get in your way? Glenn, I'll tell you what. We sure have covered some miles in the last, oh, two and a half hours. Um as we close, though, I would like you to help people have a better understanding of where to find you. I know you're active on social media. You have your website. Should people buy into the content that we've talked about in the last couple hours, where can they find more of you? Well, they can go to glennatthehorseranch.com is our email. Glennatthehorseranch, two ends uh, at thehorseranch.com um, is our uh, email we are on facebook we're also on instagram we've got a website thehorseranch.com um and on the website there's pictures of the mountains in brazil and there's articles so one of the things again that come with this whole horse journey is now i have to write articles well if you were to ask my teachers in school will glenn become a writer <laughs> <laughs> my teachers would have said hell no pretty confident in that two letter answer huh? <laughs> pretty confident yeah pretty confident glenn will never do that well as as circumstances have happened it seems like i end up writing all these articles for magazines people ask we'd write articles about different things so there's a 
load of articles on the website that you can read and they're full of perspective they're full of techniques and ideas but a lot of it's perspective because i i don't believe without if your perspective is not in the right way it don't matter how good your techniques are it don't wouldn't matter what anybody told you if your perspective is off on something it's it don't matter how good the technique you're gonna you can only get so much yeah it's misapplied Um, absolutely yeah yeah so um anyways they can go on there and check that out on the uh, and there's pictures and I think there's some videos there and all different competitions and stuff that I'm on. I, we got a YouTube channel and there's some, definitely some videos on the YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, they, there's quite a bit of information if they want to check into stuff and see what we're doing and where we're doing it. If there's something they want to get involved with, uh, um, it looks like this is going to be a life journey for me, working with horses, learning more and helping other people. So, well, Glenn, I would like to thank you very much for, setting aside the lion's share of this morning to to talk about horses and the profession and the business and your journey. I think it's absolutely incredible how you talk about the small shifts in perspective can have these profound changes on the outcome. The idea of improve versus the pressure of having to prove is all incredible. In In closing, is there anything that you would like to share? And I know we kind of briefly touched on it earlier. But are there final thoughts or, or a life motto that maybe you live by that you would love to share with people who might be following the trail that you've walked in the journey of your life? Be careful what your perspective is because perspective does give you real, will create your reality. And with the slightest change of per- perception, you, your journey can go completely somewhere else. It can completely take you on a different path with, with just the slightest shift in perspective. Um, Say yes to things that make you uncomfortable. A lot of times people believe that being comfortable is a good place to be. Like there, there's a lot of, you know, belief that, you know, you're always seeking comfort, seeking comfort, seeking comfort. It's okay to rest there for a minute or two, but well, I would, the, the more that you're uncomfortable, I think the, the better you're, you're doing more good for yourself being uncomfortable. I don't, you know, I can't, this some of the stories that I shared and stuff. It was about, I was very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And I uh, couldn't, couldn't be happier about it now. When I, when I think back with my, my children, my daughters, and some of the things that we've done, and the, the, things, the things that they talk about is when they were uncomfortable. Or if I set something up to make them a little uncomfortable because I wanted to learn some life lesson, they talk about that all the time. And they thank me and they go, thank you, Dad, so much for my life. I, I just I can't believe that you've set us up so good and I love my life. I get this from my daughter like every second day. Thank you, Dad. I love my life. And I truly believe it's from the perception that that I try to carry that you know trickles down into them and and this this whole thing about you know don't don't run around seeking comfort go find uncomfortable situations and and you know don't be scared to be uncomfortable because they they do you an awful lot of good be disciplined um, um, what appears to be long term pain often turns into unbelievably long-term gain you know you'll have so much gain you can have short-term pain for some short-term gain you know the the things that i said no to because i know i want to get better at this no i want to do this i'm gonna no, i'm gonna grind away at this and i'm gonna and i and i i wouldn't accept the the gain is give me more pleasure and more uh fun and enjoyment in my life than i could ever have hoped for it's tenfold paid for it uh it's just too easy and and humans being humans and i'm a human it's too easy to take the short road and take the the easy way and 
you know, this, this is going to be a quick, quick, let's do the quick fix. And, um, the amount of things that I get to do having this conversation with you is, is absolutely phenomenal, exciting. And I love it. Um, because I get to talk about stuff that I'm passionate about and I wouldn't have this experience had I took the, the short term, you know, short term pleasure. You know, yeah. like I'm just going to be right now because it's going to give me pleasure right now. Yeah. You wouldn't have talked to me because I wouldn't, you wouldn't have heard and I wouldn't have been invited to the, to Nikki's deal and, and you know, wouldn't be going to Brazil, wouldn't be going to the mountains. The, the things that go on in the mountains and the, the, what I've been allowed to do and take all these people from all over the world to mountains. That would never have happened because if I'd have took the short term pleasure thing, well, let's just go for the quick fix, you know? So for me, um, you know, just say, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm, I've told my daughter since they were little, I said, you practice and you work just that wee bit harder. And I always hold my fingers up and my fingers are like a half an inch apart. Yeah. Thumb and four yeah. I said, you work that much harder than anybody else and you'll leave the crowd and you'll rise to the top. I said, you know, there's uh, lots and lots of room at the top, but the bottom is very crowded. And uh, you just, when you're, when you're standing there doing nothing, somebody else is practicing. That's when true. Very true. When you're sitting on your couch watching TV, somebody else is out getting something done. Um, um, and, you know, I, I look at my life and where I've gone and what I'm doing and what I'm looking at right now, sitting here on my deck on my back step, looking at my indoor arena and my playground with my horses and the deer walking by with the fawns while we're talking. The birds are chirping. You go, yep. Uh, might be worth it. It was a patch of bush when I, when I, when I literally started on my horse journey, this was a patch of bush. There was not a road, not a piece, not a power, not a, not a house, not nothing. So when I started on to, on the trail to be, you know, towards really pushing my horsemanship, um, to where I could become a professional and started taking a whole bunch of clinics and whatnot, I, I literally bought this piece of bush and it is now covered with houses and pens and indoor arenas and and did that while I was learning my horsemanship journey. But you gotta be disciplined and you you gotta be uncomfortable and you 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 put in the extra hours. <clears throat> um but to me it sure pays off and I see it with my daughters. They 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 work like that and do that. We have a, one of my t shirts on the on the back uh the t shirt it says don't be last. It's got written on one of my horse ranch. We have horse ranch clothing in a store and whatnot. So on the back shoulder, it says, don't be last. So I give everybody a t-shirt. So when they come and when they're coming somewhere, hanging out and there's a group of 10 or 20 people, everybody has, (laughs) everybody is trying to live by the thing of don't be last. So if you are all are living by that little concept, everybody in that group, what do you think that does to the group? It pushes everybody in their entirety. Yeah. Not one person in there can be last. So now all of a sudden, you know, if we're going to be, we're meeting at the corral at nine o'clock or we're going to hike up of this mountain or we're going to whatever it is. Uh, if none of you can be last, hmm, that just moves that group right along. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Glenn, again, I thank you very much for the wisdom shared. I very much enjoyed our conversation together. Very much looking forward to us getting to meet in person up at Heart of the Horse in late September and we wish you all the success in, in your preparation of that competition and very much looking forward to seeing what, what comes to light up there in Canada. Well, thanks very much, Jason, for giving me a call and uh, appreciate the opportunity to, to share some 
time and stories with you. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you down the road. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.